Okay. So today we have uh, come to the part, we've, we've covered the whole big book up to uh, working with others. And so we've looked at uh, 88 pages to tell us how we develop the relationship with God. And you've done a lot of work. And now uh, the chapter working with others is about step 12. Um, I don't think it's read very much by members, and I don't think it's studied at meetings because it has very specific directions. It has 14 pages on working with others, and it has a lot of the principles of um, the uh, uh, how you practice the steps, especially working with others. It's uh, it's so different than it is today. And this was written, remember, 1938, published in early 1939. And this is how they envisioned you would work with another and how they actually did it. And it's so different today. Uh, the fellowship has changed so much. I'm not saying it's good or bad, but it's changed a lot. And so at least this is one meeting where we're actually looking at what they did. And then uh, I'm going to cover, I haven't covered it before in the nine years, we're actually going to look at the principles that are in the chapter to wives, their spiritual principles, uh, employers, um, family afterward, and then we read a vision for you. I've been studying those pages. I've read them before, but I've never presented them at the meeting. And we're going to, there's a lot of spiritual principles in there. It's actually how you work the steps in the world and how you work it with others. And working with others, the 12th step says what? Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of the steps. So if you're here and you ask, what, a, what does AA give you? What are you supposed to get out of AA? You're supposed to get a spiritual awakening or experience. Well, you might say, well, what the hell is that? Well, a spiritual awakening is where you have access to a power in your life that can do for you what you cannot do for yourself. And you have a power by which you can live. Access a power so you can live a spiritual life and your life is no longer unmanageable. You have a power that you can access to be rid of fear, anger. You can have a power to access to change the way you see things so you don't have to have negative actions and harm people. And you have a power that can tell you the truth about alcohol. So alcohol is not a solution anymore. And the solution is a relationship with God and access to the power. And that's what this program's all about. People come here because their lives are a mess and they know they can't drink and we have addicts, alcoholics, whatever you want to call yourself. But the real truth is that the spiritual malady that we have is our self-centeredness. And that's the root of our causes. And because we're self-centered, we don't like the way we see the world. And when we don't like the way we see the world, we want to fix it. And the way we learned to fix it was to drink or use drugs. But the problem is, for the people come in here, it stopped working. If it was still working, you'd be out there. But it stopped working. You can't drink. You can't use. You can't live life that way anymore. So if you're completely defeated and you come here, we have a solution. The only solution we have is the spiritual awakening. You awaken the spirit. Now the spirit is inside of all of us. We call it God, but it's a consciousness. And we have that spirit within us, and we're asleep to it when we're out there, before we come in here. 
What does that mean? It means I'm asleep to the spirit because I'm only awake to me and what I want. And when I'm awake to me and what I want, uh, I live that way and it wasn't pretty. And it doesn't, it can't be pretty today if I live that way. And so uh, I want to be awake to God, consciously aware of God's power in my life. Now, how do I know when I'm not consciously awake to God? I'm back in me. I'm angry, I'm fearful, I'm worried, anxious. Anybody get that? <clears throat> when I feel that way, I'm back into me, and I'm only awake to me. So the steps are how we stop being awake to me and awake to God. And we turn ourselves constantly away from me and what I think to God. Now that was the golden key of prayer. The golden key of prayer that they studied in the people who wrote this book was a, a two-page essay by Emmett Fox. Uh, we have the little princess at home the last two days, so my wife hasn't had time to, to copy that. It's a two-page PDF that was written by Emmett Fox, and he was a, a Christian theologian, but he had a new, right, a new thought philosophy of Christianity. A lot of people study the book, The Sermon on the Mount, The Lord's Prayer, good stuff. Uh, Emmett Fox had some strange ideas about prayer and the relationship with God, but the thing that he gave the AA was this golden key of prayer. And the golden key of prayer is very simple. That what you, what you do in prayer, as he described it, is you turn your thoughts away from whatever you're focusing on to God. Now that's what the whole big book's about. The fourth step is we turn our thoughts away from our fears and our anger and we turn to God. We turn our thoughts away from whatever we're worried about to God. And we seek God's guidance in all matters. And if I'm not turning my thoughts away from whatever I'm, I'm stewing about, that's, that's my higher power. And that's a form of meditation that's never worked. Meditating on the fear never makes it go away. It makes me come up with some plan to fix it, and it's usually a screwball plan, and it leads to a mess in my life. So the simple golden key to prayer is to constantly turn our thoughts away to God, to God's guidance and power, and that's what the big book's all about. It's a little bit different than true uh, than the Christianity prayers per se. It's that it's you you're constantly seeking God and getting away from yourself, and so. Let's look at working with others, and then um, we're going to open it up. I'm going to—I'm trying to limit how long I blabber here, so that we have some time for discussion. Oh, and back—excuse uh, me—back to the twelfth step. Having had a spiritual waking as a result of these steps. Now, if you haven't finished the steps, then you don't have the result. Now, half measures give you half a result. Half a spiritual awakening. It doesn't work. Half of God and half of me doesn't work. It has to be all God, get out of me. And that's the, the, the only result that AA has is a spiritual awakening. Now, how do you know when you have had a spiritual awakening? Well, we read the promises at every meeting, the nine step promises, where after you're working four through nine, and then it says you've entered the world of the Spirit. Well, if the promises are coming true, you're in the world of the Spirit and you're awake to God. And then 10 and 11 is how you stay awake to God all day and get out of self whenever it arises. And we use prayer and meditation in step 11. We went through it. There are th three talks on here. 
about the process. It's, it's three pages. It's powerful stuff. The two pages on step 10 tell me how I live in the now, connect, awake to God, and how I get out of self. Now, I don't know how people live in the program and have peace and serenity without doing that. What I have, my alcoholism, exists. It's always there. I always have this self-centered approach to things, and I have to stop and see God. Now, I don't stay there very long anymore because it doesn't feel good. And so I use the tools of 10 and 11 constantly. I got up this morning. I said the prayer, God direct my thinking, divorce it from selfishness, and self-seeking motives. I meditate on how you can be loved, patient, kind, and tolerant with the family. And I needed it about five minutes later. Get the hint? And uh, how can I be of service to others? I, I, uh, I uh, uh, ask for God for the right action today and the power to carry that out from God, not me. I said, if I face any indecision today, God, help me take it easy, give me inspiration, relax, get the right intuitive thought. And then I ask God to pause today if I get agitated or doubtful and ask him for the right thought or action, not me. And when I do that, I meditate on it. I usually remi remember to do it during the day. And like Ed says, I don't, I don't play with the skeletons too long. Different one comes out of the closet every day, but then I say, no, I don't need to play with that today. And so that, that's, that's setting the, the stage for step 12, which says having had this spiritual awakening, we carry this message to alcoholics. Now, in the original big book, it says we carry this message to others, especially alcoholics. This is useful for anyone who wants to listen to it. And you carry this message, the message in these pages. And, and we have mixed messages in AA. We have fellowship made messages, and then we have the big book message. And so uh, that's why we have this meeting. So we're trying to carry this message to you, so you'll do this message and carry it to somebody else. Does that make sense? And it says, and it says, and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Well, the principles of the steps, and there, people have like uh, humility for step one or powerlessness. You can put any names to it, but your spiritual principles in all of these steps, and they're all related to how you live a. Uh, the characteristics of God, love, patience, tolerance, kindness, uh, compassion, consideration. So it's, it's not very complicated. And so um, it says working with others. And there's so much information, we'll, we'll go through it slowly. Uh, it's going to take us several weeks to cover this. It says practical experience. So remember, this book is a book of experience. It's a testimony. So if you are suffering from alcoholism, this is a testimony of their experience of what they did to have a solution to it. Now, obviously, if you had a solution to it, you wouldn't be here because <laughs> your solution's not going to work. But if you want their experience and their solution, this is a testimony of what they did. And so I found that if I stay in this and just do this, I don't have to find any other answers then my life is peace and serene most of the time. So this is experience shows that nothing, nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking. Immunity to drinking, you're immune to it. You can't, it doesn't have power over you, alcohol. 
you're immune to the power of alcohol. Anybody think that's a good idea? So if you want to ensure immunity from drinking, it's intensive work with other alcoholics. Now, it doesn't say you're going to work with other alcoholics. You're going to have intensive work with other alcoholics. And what is the work that they're talking about? This, taking them through the book and the steps. Now, you might want to do other work with alcoholics, and it may help you and them. I'm not saying it won't. But what they're talking about, the people wrote this book, is intensive work in this with other alcoholics, and it's intensive. Now, why would that ensure immunity? It says it works when other activities fail. So your other things may not work. Why does it work to do intensive work with other alcoholics to give immunity from alcohol? Well, I believe that if you're doing intensive work with another alcoholic, you're doing the steps yourself. You can't help but be doing the steps. If you're reading the book and doing the steps, uh, I, I, I've been doing a lot of work with others lately. Uh, and I, I thought about it when I was studying this yesterday. I mean, I'll think, do I have any new resentments? Of course, I got one or two. Uh, I do the columns. I say the prayer. I see it differently. Do I have any fears when we're doing fears? Of course. Uh, I say the prayer. I look at it. Why am I relying on me and not God? Why don't I give it to God? Uh, you're you're in the, you're in the message. When you're in the message, you do the message, and that's why uh, they put this in there. Now remember, when Bill W was about to to screw up his life forever, and we wouldn't even be here today, because he went to Akron in 1935 in May to make a big deal, and he was going to put together a company, and he was going to be a success. Well, I firmly believe if Bill W had gotten that company and been a success, we wouldn't be here today. Because then Bill would have gotten back at the ego. He was already thinking about it on the way there. He was going to put it together. And then, of course, it fell through, and he didn't have any money. And he's sitting in the, he's back in the hotel, and he, he, uh, he didn't know what to do. So he heard the music in the bar. And he thought, oh, that sounds, I'll go there and I'll listen to the music. Anybody believe that one? And, and he, he actually crossed the threshold, and here's what happened. He got the thought that it was a bad idea. And he got it from God because he'd been working with other alcoholics. He hadn't sobered up anybody. This is 1935, but he was sober. And his wife had told him, he says, well, Bill, you didn't get anybody else sober, but you're sober, and you were never sober this long. And then he talked to Dr. Silkworth, and he told him, and he says, you know, share your experience and carry the message. And so the thought crossed that he should find an alcoholic and that he should call somebody, and that was, he did. He called, uh, he went through the, the bit, there's a directory out there of all the churches. He went through them all. He had trouble finding anybody. He finally got a hold of Reverend Thunk. So Reverend Thunk is our key to God. And Reverend Thug gave him the name of Henrietta Cyberling, who was the uh, one of the Firestone heirs. And she lived on the estate. She lived in the uh, in the uh, one of the houses there, which is bigger probably than any house in Topeka. And she had been to the Oxford group, right? And she had prayed with Ann Smith that they would find somebody to help poor Dr. Bob. And the Oxford group was a group of spiritual principles, people trying to lead a Christian life. I've read the Oxford text written in 1933. It is powerful. 
and we we got mo almost all of our program from that text in that group, and we made it we applied it to alcoholic alcoholics in the first few pages and how we do the first step, but it's powerful spiritual stuff. But Dr. Bob couldn't stop drinking, remember? He'd read the Bible and get drunk while he's reading it. And he didn't have any power to quit. And it wasn't that, that the Bible wasn't helpful to him. He had no relationship with God because he was blocked from God because he thought he was a worthless sinner because he couldn't keep drinking. And so... Uh, 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 Henrietta said she knows somebody that you could talk to. So she called Ed Smith, but Dr. Bob was uh, passed out on the uh, living room floor. He had went to buy her a pot for Mother's Day, and he and the pot were on the floor. Now, some people say it wasn't in the living room, it was in the foyer, but he was, he was, he was done. So, uh, so Henrietta said, uh, if you could stay sober, Bill, uh, you could, we'll have him for you tomorrow. And then Dr. Bob, when he woke up and he was uh, remorseful as usual, he's a typical alcoholic. They said, we have somebody to talk to you who might help you. And here's what he says, completely defeated, can't stop drinking. Now see if you can relate to this. I'll give them 15 minutes. <laughs> they talk for four hours, we're here today. Because Dr. Bob then learned of the nature of his illness that he wasn't a, a weak and ill and evil person. He had no power. He had no access to God's power. And therefore, he couldn't quit drinking. And it wasn't because he was a bad person. He had no power. And then he had to find the power. And that's why we're here today. So I, 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 I'm always concerned when I see people who aren't working with other alcoholics, but I don't know what's best for them. And you know, I don't have the spiritual arrogance that I know, but I do know, for me, I always try to work with somebody all the time. And it makes me stay in the book and it makes me work the steps. Now, if you haven't worked the steps and you're afraid of working with somebody, then work the steps. And you could even find somebody, read the book together. And you can listen to Joe and Charlie, you can listen to stuff here in XA, and you can do the steps together. And you can find somebody to do it. There's really no excuse not to be working with someone else. And besides, if you're not doing that, are you being self-centered or are you being selfish? And God's given us a gift here, right? We have a gift of sobriety. And are we going to give it away? Remember, our whole purpose is to be a service to God and others. So uh, just think about it. It says it works when other activities fail. This is our 12th suggestion. Now, the 12th suggestion is in italics, which whenever they put something in italics, it doesn't mean it's a suggestion. It means it's something you should do. Squiggly writing is what John <coughs> Charlie called. Carry this message to other alcoholics. Now, they don't say, take them to coffee or go to meetings. They're talking about carry this message. You don't see the word sponsor in the big book. You don't see meetings in the big book. They talk about a fellowship around you. But they want you to carry this message that they wrote, because this is their 12th step to the world, to other alcoholics. And you know what a sponsor was? In the Oxford group, the word sponsor was, they sponsored you to bring you to the Oxford group. And they sponsored you as someone who wanted this, what the group's message was. Then in AA, in the beginning, you know what the sponsor did? He paid for the hospitalization at the Akron Hospital. It was like 25 or $30, which was a lot of money in those days. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's where the term sponsorship got started. Um, 
and uh, and that's how it applied. You sponsor someone to come. You're their sponsor to this message. And you can be a sponsor by carrying the message. It says you can help when no one else can. You can secure their confidence when others fail. Now here's one. Remember they are very ill. So one powerful paragraph, isn't it? And I don't think you can really practice the principles in all your affairs if you're not doing some of this, if you're not working with others. Life will take on a new meaning. Here's a promise. So here's a promise. If you do this, life is going to take on a new meaning. Here's another promise. To watch people recover. To see them help others. To watch loneliness vanish. To see a fellowship grow about you. To have a host of friends. This is an experience you must not miss. So what do you get out of it? You see people recover. I can look around here. I know people that I saw when I came in here. And they're sober now. And they're celebrating birthdays. I actually looked at all the phone numbers. And I had about 50 people that I worked the steps with. I don't know where a lot of them are yet anymore. But at least I, I had the numbers. And I never put the number away because I never know when they're going to call. So I never really delete anybody from the phone. But a lot of them are here. They come to the meetings. I see them at other meetings. You can't express how you feel when you see somebody celebrate a year or five years or six years. And you you can remember when they came in. And we, we don't take credit for helping them, but we shared that journey. And it's a powerful, powerful experience to see them help others, which is great. Because uh, I fawn the new guys that I work with on the next new guy. And, well, you know, it it helps them and it helps, and they, and some of those people are sober today, to watch loneliness vanish. And here's the, here's the thing, to see a fellowship grow up about you, and I wonder, what does that really mean? Well, the fellowship is this group of people that you've worked with, and then they're working with other, and then you're in fellowship with them of the spirit. And so it's a different, it's a different fellowship. It's a fellowship of the spirit. And we're going to read later. It says, we walk hand in hand down the path of spiritual progress with others. So you, are you in it? Do you have connections with a bunch of people that you've worked with and working with others and, and sharing that? We know you will not want to miss this. Frequent contact with newcomers and with each other is the bright spot of our lives. Now, I think this is misinterpreted. That the newcomer is the most important person at the meeting. I've heard that. It's not in the big book. But why is frequent contact with newcomers a bright spot? Because it helps you serve them and it helps you remember your first step and it helps you see God. And then, and then with each other. So the fellowship was the new people, the people you worked with, you grew a fellowship. And that's in the beginning, it was very one-on-one. -on -one. They'd have like five people, the newcomer, he got a lot of attention. And in fact, they did the third step prayer before they even went to the meetings. And when you were in the hospital, uh, you got admitted to the hospital, they had like the, the 10 or 15 people that were sober. They all came and saw you and talked to you before you got out. And they had a five-day program in the hospital. They gave you a day and a half to kind of get your mind, and then they just hammered you home. Dr. Bob would come, make you get down on your knees, seek God. They worked the steps, and then when you got out, you were expected to start working with others. They didn't fool around. Why did they not fool around? 
I think one of the things I do poorly as a sponsor is I want to get people to their spiritual awakening before they drink again. And because if you're sober and you don't have God, you have no defense against alcohol. So you can't spend a lot of time in, quote, recovery without God because how many steps do you need before you drink again? See, sober is when your alcoholism is there because you can't live sober because of your self-centeredness. If you haven't worked the steps, you can't see what's blocking you. You can't have a true relationship with God. And you have no power when things don't go well. And then there'll be a certain time when you'll say alcohol is a good idea, and there you go. And so that's why I think when people come, it's very important to try to get them into the, the book and working the steps as soon as possible and connected and connected with people. Now, I, I've seen meetings where they, they hand numbers to the new guy. Well, they never call. What you need to do is get the new guy's number and call him. And then somebody else call him. And you reach out to them and you make them feel a part of because uh, others have been around the while. It's very important when you come in, you feel a connection to as many people as possible so that you've, they're your higher power for a while. And, the, and the, the power of the group, remember, is very positive and can keep you going so you don't drink till you can work the steps. But you need both. Remember, page 17 says there is a solution. There are two solutions, one to the two parts of the solution. The first part is the fellowship. We're all alcoholics. We're all a mess. We're all self-centered. We all need God. But that won't, that won't help us. What we need is this program. And you need both, and that's the cement that binds you. So just fellowship without the program won't work. And if you just do the program by yourself and you're alone, that's not enough either. You need both. So um, it says, perhaps you're not acquainted with any drinkers who want to recover. Well, this was the old days. Here they come in, it's differently now. They had to go find people. and. Uh, it says, don't start out as an evangelist or reformer. Unfortunately, a lot of prejudice exists. Um, and then they talked about doctors and ministers might want to learn from us. But it happens But because of our drinking experience, you can be uniquely useful to other alcoholics. So cooperate, never criticize. There's another instruction on how to be. To be helpful is our only aim. This is the theme of the book. How can you be of service to God and others? How can you be of help to others? And um, the, the thing about drugs and alcohol, some people are addicts, some people are alcoholics. Uh, I'm addicted to anything that will change the way I feel because I want more of it. <laughs> One won't work because I always want to feel better. But your experience with what you were powerless over, let's say a heroin addict talking to another heroin addict, there's some unique aspects that they can relate to the powerlessness of the heroin addict to each other and the alcoholic to the alcoholic. And that's where I think in the first step, it really helps if you had a similar experience to the person who was, who's having that. But after that, it's, a, it's the same path to God. And so, and then it's, it's, it's not good if I think I'm an addict and I'm not an alcoholic, because then if I drink, I may get right back on the drugs. Where if I think I'm an alcoholic but not an addict, I get on the pills and then I'm back on the, on the alcohol. So it's very dangerous. Uh, Dr. Paul, uh, who wrote the Acceptance is the Answer and was a very uh, excellent speaker, he said the difference between alcoholics 
and addicts is that alcoholics can't drink and can't use drugs. And addicts can't use drugs and they can't drink. Now, you think about that a lot because very few people who are true addicts can drink well. And I don't know too many alcoholics that can take a lot of pills. Uh, it may be. It's your experience. I'm not saying one or the other. But it's very dangerous for us because we're people that have a spiritual malady and we don't feel good. And we're going to seek to feel differently. And so anything that does that is very dangerous to me. And your truth is your truth, and I'm not saying what it should be, but at least I know my truth. Now, uh, I could take two Tylenol. It's not going to push me over the brink. But, uh, you know, I have to be very careful about anything. So I really try not to take any medicines. Unfortunately, you have surgeries and you have things, but you try to really limit the... Uh, and then you ask yourself, now, am I taking it for the pain or am I taking it for the way you feel? And if you have enough relationship with God, you, you don't have the pills, your wife has them or whatever, and, uh, and it helps. I'll read uh, one or two more paragraphs that it will open up. When you discover a prospect for AA, now here is so different than it is today, find out all you can about him. If he does not want to stop drinking, don't waste time trying to persuade him. Now, I think this was different in those days. You went to the guy, and he was a mess. The family usually came to the people at AA, and they got you to go to the wife, and you got you to go to the guy. Now we have people come to the meetings. And so we have to find out if they really want to stop drinking or not. Um, you don't want to waste a lot of time with someone who isn't defeated. So what I try to do is find out how defeated they are if they really want to do this thing. And you can ask them questions, you can sort of get a feeling. Then the way you can tell if they're, if they're really defeated, you give them a task and ask them if they'll do it. What I used to do was the guys, would, somebody would come up to me, they go, oh, this is the greatest meeting. Oh, this is great, you're gonna save me, blah, 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 blah. I want you to help me, all this stuff. So I'll say, great. We have three meetings. I want you to come to three meetings in a row, and then I'll give you my number. And very few do it. Very few do it. And now if they have to work or something, I understand that. But, or, or you give them a task, and you see if they're willing to do something. Have them listen to something, or, do, or read something, and then call you. Um, but it says, don't, don't waste time. You may spoil later opportunity. But always keep the lines open, because you never know. I gave a guy a big book years ago, and, and uh, he said, I'm not reading this. I don't need this. And, you know, it wasn't the most fun time I've ever had. But uh, two years later, he called me, and he, was, and he was on his way to Valley Hope, and he's sober today. You never know. So you always want to be kind, loving, patient, tolerant, not be critical. We do gossip a lot in AA. I don't know if anybody here has ever gossiped in AA. Nobody? I'm the only one? And Because and, gossiping is really our 13th step. And, and we do that, and then sometimes I think we're very critical of people who, who drink again. But, you know, what I say is, that could be me. I'm an alcoholic. They're an alcoholic. Uh, we're no better than they are. We're, we only have a daily reprieve. And once we get arrogant about who drinks and I'm not drinking and they went out, that's dangerous. Because, right, we're not better than anybody else. And we have to remember that. I mean, really, we're only one drink away. And how do we, how do we stay so that we don't drink? We seek God constantly. 
and do I have a relationship with God today that's going to keep me from drinking? And then I'm going to say one last thing and open it up. Richard brought up people who are 20 years in the program. They know the big book. They go to meetings. They're, they're great sharers. People, people stand and applaud after they share and think that they're spiritual gurus. And then, and then they're drunk. And so we wonder what happened. Well, I, I would ask them, are you doing steps with someone? Are you working with someone? Are you sponsoring someone? Are you calling and talking to someone? Do you have a sponsor? Are you connected to the steps? You see, that's the thing. If we can get back into we're doing this great in our mind, then we stop doing it. And then we have no power. What, what do, what's my job each day? What's the choice I have to make each day? My choice each day is to seek the power that gives me the choice. And how well am I seeking God today? Remember, the highway is open, broad and inclusive, open to all who seek him. So there are no boundaries to God for me today except me. So we'll open it up. We, uh, this, this topic is always 